In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of Southern Fried Soccer. I am talking to you while in Monterey, Mexico, where Atlanta United was defeated by Monterey 3 to nothing in the first leg of their quarterfinal series in the CONCACAF Champions League. Rayado's goals were scored in the 17th minute by Nicolas Sanchez on a penalty kick, in the 80th minute by Dorlan Pavon, and in the 84th minute by Jesus Iardo. Atlanta United had just one shot on goal, uh, tying a team low. This comes after having just two shots on goal in Sunday's 2 to nothing loss at D.C. United. Atlanta United will host the return leg, which is the second leg of the series, on Wednesday, March 13th at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. There's a few topics I want to address here tonight. One is Monterey's fouling. Uh, to stop counterattacks. The next will be Atlanta United's offense, and the third will be Frank DeBoer's substitutions or lack thereof. So let's talk about the fouls first. Atlanta United's offense simply couldn't get into gear, and part of the reason it couldn't get into gear was because Monterey committed 25 fouls tonight. They committed 10 against Pitti Martinez all by himself. Each foul would stop a counterattack, would stop Atlanta United from going forward, would stop any chance that Atlanta United had to at least attack with even numbers, which was a rarity for the most part. Only one Monterey player received a yellow card tonight, and I don't believe, oh, I'm sorry, two received a yellow card tonight. Um, I think only one was for a foul on Pithy Martinez. Um, there is supposed to be something called persistent infringement in the rules of soccer, which would lead to yellow cards, uh, but that did not happen tonight. The fouls were pretty spread out. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players who uh, combined to commit those 25 fouls. So you put that together with a formation that really is struggling to connect defense to offense, and it's a recipe for Joseph Martinez to not even attempt a shot tonight, for Ezekiel Barco to not even attempt a shot tonight, and Gonzalo Martinez's shots were all from way outside the penalty box and, frankly, probably need to have a court put in them because when you get so few chances to waste them as they were tonight, it just doesn't make any kind of sense. Uh, only one of his shots were on goal, and that was, came early in the game off a free kick. So 
this 3-4-3 formation that Frank DeBoer is using in place of the 4-3-3 or 3-5-2 used by Tata simply is not working very well. You go back now in three of the four games that they played, the two games against Herediano, the game against DC United, and now the game against Monterey. And they scored one goal at Herediano, and that was off the deflection from Julian Gressel. They did score four goals at Kennesaw State, which is a good performance. No goals against DC United. No goals again tonight. And really, in three of those four games, they just haven't even looked like they've come close to scoring. And this is a team that scored 70 goals each of the past two seasons. Miguel Almiron was certainly important. He can't have been that important. Pithy Martinez seems like he is on a totally different page than his teammates. Um, Barco, a 15 million purchase from Independiente, has had one good game. Uh, and then three games where really he just had very little influence. It's, it's becoming, you know, more and more of a challenge to try to figure out why he can't get incorporated into the offense. But something that's got to change pretty fast or Atlanta United is going to go the route of Toronto. I know that it's early. I know that Frank DeBoer really hasn't even gotten to coach this team for two full months yet. But there's just not a lot of sparks. There's not a lot of things where you can see what's going on and say, oh, man, that's going to be good. There was the game, again, against Herediano, the 4 to nothing win. I think some of that may have been Herediano's total disorganization and maybe lack of motivation. It seemed obvious their coach was about to be fired. He was soon after losing it at Lenny United. So... And frankly, they're not a good team. They're in the bottom of the first division of Costa Rica right now. So Atlanta United has some fundamental issues that it needs to solve. Frank DeBoer knows more about soccer than I will ever know. But this 3-4-3, at least with the wingbacks that he has right now, isn't working very well. Brett Shea did okay going forward, is not a very good defender. The last goal came in, I think he got cut out. Caught upfield again. Eric Ormetti tried to get over to cut out the cross. Couldn't get over. It came from the end line to an armrock man on the back post, for example. Julian Russell couldn't play on the right side. Mikey Ambrose came in. Again, a very difficult ask for him because he's left-footed. And when you're playing a right wing back, unless you're Arjun, Arjun Robin, uh, and Mikey Ambrose is not Arjun Robin, you're not going to get a lot of offense from that side. It just it doesn't happen. You put those two things together, the midfield either comes out flat or comes out in a diamond, in which you're only going to have three guys getting forward because the wingbacks aren't permitting. So you've got three against five, three against six. There's no, there's no numbers there. Um, it's, it's painful to watch, especially when you factor in the previous two years. And then tonight, the biggest question I had, and, and I rarely try to ask the manager about substitutions, um, unless there's something obvious, uh, simply because there are so many factors that go into games and go into the players that I will never know, and that a lot of times they simply can't say that it feels like I'm giving incomplete information. Tonight was an obvious difference because the team played at D.C. United on Sunday, 
10 of the 11 starters from that game played tonight. Most of those guys also played against Herodiano that Thursday uh, before. So Atlanta United has the one to nothing deficit around the 70th, 75th minute. A deficit they could easily manage to turn over at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I'm looking at the benches. I'm looking at the sides. There's no subs. I start around the 65th minute because that's typically when the managers will start to make substitutions. There's no one coming out. The game's still one to nothing. Everything's fine. 70th minute. Nobody's on the side. Still one to nothing. 75th minute. Still nobody's coming up to the bench. Still one to nothing. Now I'm thinking to myself, surely Viaba's going to come in soon. Maybe Kratz, just to get some fresh legs. Lorenowitz could come in and make a fourth center back to really try to maintain this one to nothing deficit. Still, no subs. Then boom, goal in the 81st minute, boom, goal in the 84th minute, and now Atlanta United is likely going to be eliminated from the Champions League. Which you want to say may be a favor, but at this point, it seems like the more games they can get, maybe the better off they'll be to try to figure out the things they need to do on offense and defense. I asked Frank after the game about the substitution patterns. At first, he thought why he was, I was asking him why he was rolling out the same guys again. Uh, and he started to answer that question. And I quickly realized that he's asking the wrong question. So I, I kind of, Asked again, I jumped on someone else's turn to say, why did you keep the same guys in considering 10 of the 11 started on Sunday and you got the one nothing deficit? And his response was, and I'm trying to paraphrase, was, well, until those goals happened, he didn't, he thought about subbing, but he didn't really see any issues. He thought the team was grinding out a one to nothing deficit. Everybody was playing hard. So, that's why he didn't make the subs. Um, it's easy for us to kind of say, oh, well, obviously they're fatigued because they gave up two goals. Well, I don't know. Um, it's a tough one. DeBoer is in a tough spot. Um, I would have probably made the subs. I think most managers probably would have made at least one sub. And it kind of goes back to the game in first game in Costa Rica when Atlanta United was losing and DeBoer only used two of the three subs. Um, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, now, he did use his subs against D.C. United, uh, but two of them came on at the same time after D.C.'s second goal. So, you know, Atlanta United has a lot of things to work on, and they don't have any time. Cincinnati comes to town on Sunday, and you can say, well, they're an expansion team. Atlanta United should roll. They're playing at home. They'll play better at home. But, again, I'm not seeing a lot right now that makes me think Atlanta United is going to roll anybody uh, if they're decently organized um, and have a little bit of talent. I, I don't see it yet. But people that are calling for Frank DeBoer to be fired, please stop. It's way too early. Um, I think – Things are going to work out. I just think it's a little bit tougher than everyone thought it was going to be as of right now. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to turn over this 3 to nothing deficit. But weirder things have happened. Man United did it today uh, at PSG, for example. 
with a bunch of players that, frankly, I've never heard of. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm going to cut this podcast uh, short here because I've got a lot of work to do, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning back home. But I hope you'll let you follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I did want to say another big thank you to uh, Monterey and Riados and the communications department and the people at CONCACAF who were just a tremendous help these past couple of days. All the nice people I met from Mexico, my Uber drivers, waitresses, things like that, who did their best to try to communicate with me, even though their English was so much better than my Spanish. Uh, it was a wonderful trip. Um, you know, and the PA announcer in the stadium calling out my name and thanking me for coming and then playing a song that I had recommended on Twitter was just so out of left field, but it's something that I'll always remember and always be grateful for. Um, so, again, thank you to Monterey. Thank you to the people here. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast. I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. I hope you'll subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Again, Atlanta United beaten by Monterey 3 to nothing in the first leg of their Champions League quarterfinals. Uh, Atlanta United will return to action on Sunday when it hosts Cincinnati. And then we'll host Monterey next Wednesday at Mercedes-Benz.